Welcome back to Handbook Podcast, a chapter-by-chapter review of bad books by bad people. Today, we are still covering the bad girl of the New York Times bestsellers list, as she is self-proclaimed, Lanny Serum and her book, Handbook for Mortals. I have to, I have to take issue. She was not self-proclaimed. Thomas Ian Nichol okay, introduced her as such. Fine, fine. I don't know. I feel like they're just now fused into one in my mind, so... I finally have a theory about that, but I'll put that at the end. Let me write this down in my notepad. We should also introduce ourselves because we're both white women who sound the same. <laughs> I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I'm joined by El Riccardi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm very fucking hot. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, like, damn, girl, but also, uh, like, I get it. You mean sweaty. Yes. Yes. For those who don't know, apparently the Northeast had decided that it wants to be Florida because it is fucking hotter here than it is in Miami. It's disgusting. I'm ready for the heat to break. It is a really bad day when I see 85 degrees on 4th of July and I go, fuck yes. I know. (laughs) I'm like, oh God, it's only going to be 86 this week. Thank goodness. (laughs) Although I will say I kind of like the heat sometimes specifically when it's like, like, so, like, I discovered today I can't be medium in the heat. I can't do medium things like walking. I either need to lay out like a lizard. Okay. In which case I'm happy. Or I need to be doing something really intensely physical like running because for me it's, like, way better to do that in the heat because I've got, like, nasty tight joints. And when it's hot, they're not as tight. That makes sense. So, I like doing things in the heat or I like doing nothing in the heat. I can't do, like, I can't walk somewhere. Yeah, the walk home today was miserable. And I have to agree with that because I I played tennis year-round. But, like, summer tennis, as long as I stayed hydrated and had pickles, I was fine. You feel good. Yeah. Your joints don't hurt. Then you're exhausted because, like, singles tennis for three hours in the heat is just, you're going to collapse afterwards and it's fine. (laughs) I miss those days. It's fine. I will find a tennis team one day. So, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I finished Handbook for Mortals. Yay! <laughs> Actually, like, a week and a half ago. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, but it's okay, because, uh, as I showed you earlier, everybody's, <laughs> you know, so, so for our listeners, Meg has kind of been making fun of me. Not making fun <laughs> of me, but joking with me a little bit, because I've really invested in this book. I have notes. I've been making those relationship charts. And right now, to keep things straight... I made a two-page timeline of events that is hung on my wall for me to reference. I love it. I'm so excited. As we go down this, as, as we go through this book. So, let's begin at the beginning, as Frank Turner says. <laughs> Chapter zero. Actually, you know what? I just, sorry. I, so, I made a list of, like, the ten things I want to talk about, because I know that, like, Our listeners have already heard the chapter-by-chapter breakdown, and I want to say something that I think is really important, which is that for me, Handbook for Mortals falls into the same category as The Room. And I know that some people have seen The Room and some people haven't these days, but for me, I actually love The Room. I know that Tommy Wiseau is an asshole. Yep. I know that the movie is really bad, and it's a like, self-indulgent at best, masturbatory at worst, (laughs) misogynist look at what he thinks his life should be like. Right. 
But at the same time, I really, I don't respect, but I feel the need to give props to that kind of unabashed self-celebration. Okay. So, like, I always, I always hear in, like, fanfic communities, you know, it's like, celebrate your OCs, celebrate your self-inserts. Yeah. And I really do believe in that. I think that it's a really beautiful outlet, and I have to have at least a little bit of respect for people who so intensely celebrate those <laughs> things that they take them to the public. I don't think this is a good book, but had Lanny Sarum not pulled all of the weird skeezy stuff she pulled with the New York Times bestseller list and then gotten really, like, dog whistly racist about the hate you give after the fact... Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't have read this book, because obviously I probably wouldn't have heard about it. Exactly. But... I also don't think I would have hated her if I ran into it. It's not a good book, but it just would have been one of those things where you're like, okay, well, you put out a book, good job. She finished it. I've never finished anything. Exactly. And maybe your next book will be better. Like, I I read another book recently where I was just like, okay, well, you finished a book, and like, good for you on your promotion. She's working really hard to promote it. And I hope her next book is better, but her, this one was bad. The one I read was, it was, it was like revision four of what should be like a 10 revision, step revision process. Yikes. And I think that's also a problem with just a lot of self-published books. So you're right. If you don't take ownership and celebrate your OCs, they're going to fall flat and people won't like your books. So, your books, your fan fiction. Um, So, I like that process. There has to be that. I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, I don't feel like I wasted my time reading this book. It wasn't a drag for me. Like, I really, I got genuine enjoyment out of it because I'm someone who enjoys bad things. But also because there, there was that, like, fucking, like, like I said, unabashed self-love that was kind of evident <laughs> in it, even if I felt like it was all through the lens of the male gaze. Yes. And it was riddled with problematic, I'm not like other girls stuff. <laughs> yes. I still just have to give it to her. Like, she really believes in herself. And that is, like, something to respect. But that said, this book is really bad. In the same way that I love The Room... I can also accept that it's a very bad movie. (laughs) But, you know, maybe in 15 years, we'll get something, I don't know, the disaster artist for Handbook for Mortals. And I'll cry in it. Like, (laughs) because I cried in hand, I cried in the disaster artist. Like, I mean, I watched The Room so much in college. And then that's kind of like the baby's first bad thing that you enjoy. And then like, you know, so going to see the disaster artist and seeing them essentially say exactly what I'm saying about this book, which is that, like, it's just that self-celebration and that heart that you kind of have to give it to them. That's how I feel about this. So I want to keep all of that in in mind as I, like, go through the things that I have a problem with. Compliment sandwich. You've given your compliment up front. And I'm going to go ahead and give one because it sounds like, I haven't read this interview, but Esther Ann pointed out that I guess Lil, Lil or Lily... Lillian, but she goes by Lil. Lil. Zanny, Zanny knew what she ate for breakfast. Apparently she's going to become a bigger character in the second book and be more of a strong female character. So either 
Lanny's actually listening. In which case, hell yeah. Or something. I don't know. She's got to be listening to at least someone criticize this book. Because Zade is not. Zade is not a character. Zade is not a strong character. She's not a character. You're right. Okay. So. So I guess we can we can now begin at the beginning. Let's do it. That was chapter negative one. This negative is one. Zero. Okay. The Fool, so, right? I don't remember what any of the names of these <laughs> chapters are because they meant so little. They, except yeah. that I know that. There was the lovers, and that's where we find out about Charles and Della, and I know the world because I remember being like, oh, because everybody shows up at her welcome home party. Oh, that's smart. Okay. Yes. See, I what I fear is that someday that there are going to be papers written about this book, and that people are going to make it smarter than it is, or give her more credit than it actually has. Well, I feel like the world, like the subtitle should be, revolves around Zayd. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, okay. So. All right. We begin. With Zade. She is uh, 25? Did they confirm that she's 25? They do confirm she is 25. She's 25. She lives in Centertown, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And right away, we get my first instance of what bothered me the most in this book. And that is number two on my list of things that I wanted to say after my compliment toast that I'm going to put all <laughs> of this avocado on. <laughs> um, throughout the book, she uses the word basically... 28 times shut up okay now basically is fine in dialogue because basically is a word that we use a lot yes i don't think people realize it but we use the word basically a lot and we use it when we're trying when we're explaining things in layman's terms Mm -hmm. so when i'm talking about what happened with lanny serum and the new york times bestseller list i don't give the whole detail i say yeah she basically cheated her way on the word basically there functions so that you know it's more complicated. But because it's so common, people tend to use it when they're explaining something that's simple and there really isn't a more complicated story there. So I'm just going to pull up the example that made me notice it real quick. I'm going to search on my phone here because I have a Kindle app as I already went on and on to... Um, Meg about how much I love it. I am really shocked. So for those who don't know, I read a Matt Galley version of this. I have not actually bought it. My highlights transferred. I really thought they would stay on just my Kindle. They did transfer to my phone. I'm so happy. So for a moment, I wasn't sure what to do next. So I basically just stood in the doorway. You could have just said you just stood in the doorway. <laughs> you didn't have to say basically. I doubt it was more complicated than that. Or... <laughs> About 20 feet away from the site of my impact of my impact was an open area where there was actual real water. Basically a pool. Hmm? That's just a pool. Like, there's no basically about it. If there is an indoor body of water, and it's not a fountain, it's a pool. You don't need to say basically, because there's nothing else to explain. No, there is no indoor pond. It is always a fountain waterfall thing. And if, like, she could have just said a pool, like an indoor pool, but specifically for this. I just, it's just weird stuff like that. And that, that I think, the reason I chose basically as an example is because I I tweeted this actually a couple weeks ago that she kind of writes like she's trying to hit a word count. Yes. She goes on all of these wild grammatic, like, 
oh, yes. descriptions and tirades, and I just don't... One, I don't think they would have gotten past an editor. I really don't think anybody edited this book. And two, it just makes it so hard to pay attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's all of these weird examples, like, um... There's... I'll get to it later. We'll talk about Della and that whole bit. So, she goes to the show. She gets on the show. She does actual magic, and her description of the magic is so weird. And she... One of the things that's present throughout the book that really bothers me, and it's most present in that first scene. So, she gets to the show. She auditions. I'm using air quotes because it's barely an audition. Auditions are generally not the whole crew and cast shows up for this. I'm pretty sure that's like a one-on-one thing. You gotta sell yourself. You don't get to use the theater at your will to do an acrobatic stunt. Now, now, neither of us have actually performed on stage in something this large. So maybe you do. Maybe you you don't. I can't. You don't. I'm going to go ahead and say this as someone who has a lot of experience with OSHA, actually, that thing that Mac talks about in the book, because I work at a landscaping company, and I wrote our company-specific OSHA handbook. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, No. (laughs) Just no. That's... You may as well tattoo sue me on my forehead if you're going to let somebody come into your venue and do that. The casino would definitely not let it happen. And anyone who's actually running the show, which, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and also guess that the head... Like, the ringmaster of the show is probably not the person who actually produces and runs the show like he is in this situation. Right. Would also not have the authority to invite someone in. Right. Furthermore, the idea that any legitimate show in Las Vegas would invite someone they don't know in to do a massive stunt and then not require them to be wearing any safety gear? No, it is entirely based on the premise that Charles knows it's his daughter. But he doesn't. Yeah. Which, like, from what I understand, she looks just like her mom, so he has to realize it's her. But there's this, the, the, but it gets back to this thing that, that, that whole Charles thing as well. It gets back to this thing where we're experience th- experiencing things from Zade's point of view. This book is told in first person. We are supposed to have an in-depth look into her psyche, and yet there are whole things that... Lanny Sarum does not explain to the reader. Like, the benefit of first person is that you don't have to, you don't have to sort of, like, third person explain their feelings. You get their feelings, you understand everything that they're thinking. Well done first person is a really good window into somebody's mind and brain. But that's not how it is here? No, it is, it is a, a... Because it's taken from a script, it still reads in, like, a third-person point of view. With the most basic tellings of emotion. I really, like, I had this, we should call Las Vegas shows and see if they'll just let us show up. (laughs) Just audition. (laughs) And, like... You want to call O? I do, I do. I just want to call and just be like, hey, what's your audition process? I really don't because my anxiety would, like, absolutely murder me. Oh, I love being on the phone with strangers. That's not a joke. I will call. I will, <laughs> let's find a small time show. Let's just see what, like, a little show would let okay. us do. And then, yeah, because that's a good starter. If they let you do it, then it's like, okay, maybe Charles isn't as big as Zade likes to think. Yet later on, we have this whole scene where she's like, 
getting like pulled aside for photos by fans. Anyways, oh my God. I I'm forgot about a that. Hard time. This is why I made the timeline because I feel like I'm gonna have a hard time keeping things in order. But anyways, so my timeline reads: Zayd leaves Tennessee. She goes and she gets to the show. She auditions. She joins the show. Right. And then she meets every single character as if they are waiting in a receiving line outside of a Catholic wedding. <laughs> yes. She's just going up and shaking hands with everybody, except for Tad, who she appears to meet twice. Yes. So she meets Cam, who's too pretty to date, and is played by Zac Efron. Okay, good, because I couldn't remember if we actually decided on Zac Efron or if that was something that I was thinking. But I had the thought process again of, goddamn, Zac Efron's hot. He should play Cam. Yeah, he's going to be Cam. She meets Zeb, who's kind of cold to her, and then later on they have a weird confrontation out of nowhere that I don't remember. (laughs) Um, She meets... Charles, Zeb, Mac, Cam, Riley. Oh, Riley. Okay. Riley. The little brother. He's like a little brother to her, but still definitely has a crush on her. Kind of like the host. Um, oh, yeah. Tad and Sophia, who, despite being Charles's girlfriend of who knows how long, he doesn't introduce well. How long? I guess that is a question. How long have they been dating? Well, time is weird here. Like, oh, yeah. This is entirely... Either Twilight Zone or Black Mirror episode, take your pick. Yeah. So that's who she meets. That That's like her first day she meets them. And Beth, the assistant, who might come up later, maybe there's a Beth mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, she's the one that gives her the paperwork. She meets all of those characters. And there's this uh, one particular line about Mac that really, really bothered me. Um, let me find it. I got it. I can like remember um, keywords for the, Is it from, like, the, description. the description of them. Yeah. Okay. So the line goes: "A strong will was an admirable quality to me, and I had been taught to see that as being something to appreciate about someone. Really stubborn and thick-headed, though, usually goes hand in hand with strong-willed, and is something to always keep in mind." It's just like a nothing what? sentence. Yeah, I was about to say what. That's like. First of all, what? stubborn and strong-willed and thick-headed. They're. Three different things. Well, stubborn and thick-headed is, well... Hard-headed, I guess, is the term. That's thick-headed the word. normally is something for, like, someone who's stupid. Like, thick, yeah. being thick is being stupid. See, I was thinking it's someone that falls a lot, but... <laughs> and, then, and then we get my favorite action description of all time. So she's made a point of talking about how tall uh, Mac is. He's supposed to be really, really tall. Yes. He's definitely so six is... feet, if not an inch more. Picture a six-foot-one man doing what I'm about to describe. Mac turned back around, crossed his arms in a huff, and slid further down into the seat with his legs completely stretched out. This is something an adult man in his 30s is doing, pouting, because he had the nerve to suggest she had to wear a safety harness. I love it. I love it so much. That is the best. I cannot wait (laughs) to see this. Oh, oh, man. So good, so good. So bad. Do you have Pete on your list of people she meets? Yes, Pete is on there. I have a theory that Trig and Pete were the same character at the beginning. Yes, they are. And that she... And that she... You mean Tad and Pete? Yeah, Tad and Pete. I have a theory that they were one character, but she had to develop him more to fit Thomas Ian Nickel, but she didn't get rid of... Pete um, Trigger? Pete Trigger, which, by the way, is a terrible name. Um, he makes finger guns, I bet. (laughs) 
He makes finger guns. I'm sorry, if my last name was Trigger, I'd make a shit ton of finger guns just all the time. So anyways, in the lead up to her audition, Mac pouts because he had the nerve to bring up Osha and that she should wear a safety harness. I'm gonna get to the problems of her safety harness later. So... I quickly realized I needed to check on where the prop I'd requested was. I had to have a bright red rose for the illusion, and I had asked for it to be brought up and waiting for me. I turned toward Cam and politely asked, where is the rose? Hoping you knew what I was talking about. And this is where I feel like the dialogue gets weird. Cam pointed to it, smiled sweetly, and commented, you ready, girl? You nervous? (laughs) You make it sound so much better. You can play Cam. You ready, girl? (laughs) Like, Okay. You're gonna call me girl and we just met. (laughs) I hate the use of girl for adult women. I just, I feel like that's a really, like, that's a a friend, friend, personal thing that I would never, ever say. Like, that's something I would say to, like, someone, like, a younger person who I'm on a sports team with. Like, we've been playing, like, like, women's rugby together for a long time, and I'm like, you ready, girl? Like, it's not, like, someone I just met professionally. Yeah, no. 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 And no matter how cute you are, I don't think you can pull it off in, an like, an introduction meeting. Like, I think Ryan Gosling is the only person who can pull off calling someone girl. That's very true. But even that, like, Zac Efron couldn't do it because I feel like he would be able to commit to the bit. Like, I just said it in a way that committed. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Zac Efron could commit to calling someone girl to their face. Should we replace Cam with Ryan Gosling? But it would have to be Ryan Gosling never wearing the shirts. The thing, though, is that Ryan Gosling is not too pretty. No. That's, I agree. That's what, that's what makes him so sexy is he kind of looks like someone you maybe went to high school with. And it's like, if you look back, 10 15 years ago at like him on a red carpet and it's like oh you are not put together and okay this is why i don't remember you exactly but like zach efron is too pretty okay so she does the illusion illusion she's supposed to so my problem with the illusion is she does actually physically pass through the floor even though she won't commit to it in the way that she describes it like she describes it very third person-y yeah even though it's first person Also, she makes it sound like it's lasting forever. She's like, The floor, as I plummeted toward the stage, brightly colored sparks began to shoot out from my outstretched hands. The sparks fell and hit the ground. She keeps going through this description. The ground beneath the flame seemed to pool as if it had become liquid. Like, it would have to be her falling in slow motion. Which makes the illusion cooler, but still also can be done as an illusion doesn't require magic. But that's the thing, though, is that she she talks about it. She's like, the ground was coming up fast, and I needed to dive. And it's like, how long is this taking you to, like, fall? How, yeah, how far but up she's, are you? So she passes through the floor, and then she pops up in the pool nearby. Her safety harness. Now, if you're wearing a safety harness, that's attached to something. They don't just put you in a harness and drop you off of something because right. you're just going to die in a harness. I mean, you might, so, but that's not the goal. So she passes through the ground, and the harness comes with her. And then presumably the harness now goes through the stage and comes up in the pool with her? Like, it's still attached to the ceiling or whatever rigging it's attached to. Is she wearing a harness? She has to later because there's the whole scene with the harness. That's true. But I don't think uh, she is right now. Yeah, but supposedly she's doing this illusion because Charles says that goes in the show right away. I don't know. It's another thing of just like... An editor would have caught this. 
or even a beta reader, like a true beta reader would have caught this. That's the thing. Like, I, I just feel like somebody should have caught this. Um, so she introduces Tad. He'd always tell us his motto was, why take anything seriously? No one gets out alive anyway, which... Okay. Sounds like something from a fanfic I would have written when I was, like, 14. And then we meet Tad again. Where's the next Tad bit? Tad gingerly made his way over to me to put out his hand to shake mine. Like, this is two pages later, and we're meeting Tad again. Oh my god. She goes on at length. Um. One, one of the guys was Tad, who helped me into the door earlier. He looked to be about Mac's age, though shorter than Mac. He was slightly stalker, not stockier, stalker. <laughs> with dark brown wavy hair and brown jovial eyes, I would soon learn that Tad was Mac's best friend and an all-around good guy who worked well with everyone. Which, again, this book is written almost like it should have been a diary. And then, two pages later, Tad gingerly made his way over to me to put out his hand to shake mine. I noticed his huge grin and pearly white teeth right away. Tad Fletcher, head of automation, rocked back on his heels as he talked. Calm, collected, sweet, kind, and confident, cascaded out of his being. I would slowly learn that Tad was all of those things through and through. Like, she's already introduced him and then she introduces him again, which is why I think that originally... It was two, or one person? I think originally it was, like, she was, like, I'm gonna make Trig become Tad, but then she changed her mind and decided to keep Trig, because it's another guy who can marvel at how hot Zade is. Yep. So I think, like, that was initially supposed to be, like, Pete's thing, and then it wasn't, and then it became Tad. Like, it's just weird that she introduces Tad twice. Now that we know for sure, because I don't think it's changing that Thomas Ian Nichols is going to play Tad, because I haven't heard him ever want to play anybody else <laughs> and every time she talks about it I feel like she insults the shit out of him but let's again go through how she describes Tad she describes him as Thomasy and Nickel <laughs> shorter than Max so he's shorter than six feet which not a big deal slightly stockier stalker with dark brown wavy hair and brown jovial eyes yep that is Thomasy and Nichols. Tad was the kind of guy to always tell it like it is he never believed in sugarcoating anything. I bet if we looked up his height, we would find that Thomasy and Nichols is probably in like the 59510 range. Very little got him worked up. He was the epitome of easygoing. Tad was also one of those people who was naturally good at most of the things he tried. Okay. <laughs> My brother's one of those people. But also, you don't need to say both of those things. Very little got him worked up. He was the epitome of easygoing. Well, first of all, you should show that, not say it. Exactly. And second of all, you don't need to say both of those things. They're redundant. And then to go on and a page, not even, this is two Kindle pages, so like presumably these would be on pages that were either back-to-back or faced each other in the actual physical copy of the book. Calm, collected, sweet, kind, and confident cascaded out of his being. Yeah, I think you're right. I think... It started as one character, and then she realized she needed something for Thomasy and Nichols because there's no way in hell that he is going to play one of the leads. And Pete sounds too much like someone's dad. Even though, yeah. like, I think he is also in his early 30s, but he sounds like, is he the one with kids? I can't even remember. But he still. I thought Tad was married with kids. Fuck, I don't even know. Because he says that weird thing, were I not a married man? Yeah. 
there's not enough about Pete to ever, ever really be able to be like, here's his character. He shows up once more. Um, and then we get to, she falls asleep, which by the way, don't do at your first day at your job. It's not even her first day. It's the audition. And Cam wakes her up by saying, hey there, sleeping beauty. That's weird. And then he proceeds to say, I don't really know what the latest one is, but Backstreet, Five Directions, One Second of Winter, 98 Celsius, O-City, and Sync Boys or Old Kids on a Curb or something like that. That joke is too long. It's too long. It's, it's not too a joke. Old. Like, we and don't And then she have... explains the joke because that always makes jokes funny. It's not the early 90s. It's not the late 90s. We don't have as many boy bands as we did during that time. We have, what, One Direction? But most are solo artists now. And even One Direction, I don't think, is still together. Well, she lists One Direction, and I'm guessing One Second of Winter is, like, Five Seconds of Summer or whatever. Oh, I forgot about them, yeah. 98 Degrees, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, and New Kids on the Block. Yeah, because, you know, there's New Kids on the Block disbanded in, like, 1995. I was trying to remember when they did their, like, comeback tour without the Wahlberg brother, I think. I always forget Mark was it? No, wait, I thought it was Marky Mark and the Funky Punch. Oh, was shit, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I feel like they were combined. Is Donnie in New Kids on the Block? There's another Wahlberg? Oh, yeah. Because I want you to know that if if there's ever a movie made about my life, I want Mark Wahlberg to play me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This isn't a joke. This isn't a ha funny. No, but it this is because is... I love it. He'd be so good. I'm looking up who's in New Kids on the Block. I feel like a Wahlberg brother is on New Kids on the Block. Yeah, we definitely have to know this for the podcast. It is Donnie. It is Jordan and Jonathan Knight, Joey McIntyre, Donnie Wahlberg, and Danny Wood. There's more than one Wahlberg. Who knew? Yeah, Donnie's the older one. He's like the, uh, did you ever watch Entourage? No, not once. But I, I know who you're talking about all of a sudden. Like, yeah. oh, no, that guy would definitely be Mark Wahlberg's brother. I think Mark Wahlberg created Entourage, so maybe that is where I'm getting that from. So I just, real quick, we can keep going with the action. She gets the job. She, uh, basically, she uses that word, finds out what her salary will be. She spends, like, a week living at the hotel while she finds an apartment, and then she starts work. Um, in that time, she does actually, this is something I will give Zanny, Lanny, (laughs) Myriad is one of my favorite words. Because it is a word that you do not have to... It has the prepositions in it. So you don't say a myriad of possibilities. You say myriad possibilities. And she actually uses it correctly. I can't find the page that it's on. But I was impressed. Maybe she did have an uh, editor. Or... I think it's just... It's a good word. And I'm glad glad she found that. Would WordPress catch that? You know what? No, it's fine. And we'll give it to her. There's also the chance that it's one of those weird grammar things that, like... She also, like, it's, like, part of her, like, not, like, other girls, Manic Pixie Dream Girl personality, where she's like, I love the word myriad. It's possible. that's why I know it, back from when I was a Manic Pixie Dream Girl in, like, I don't know, the 10th grade or whatever. Is that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl time? 10th grade was 2008. Yep, that sounds about right. Okay. Yep. So, then we have the weird thing where Mac looks at her while she's naked and yada yada. Oh, I forgot about that. get into that. She meets Lil... It is very hard to decide what I feel about Mac because he is a creep. He is a terrible person. 
but really also bad. like he's the only one that gets an arc though yes well because the original didn't have a, a love triangle so he was always there however i feel like that love triangle doesn't really so the love triangle serves to undercut the main conflict that that starts like the the climax of the book so at the end he walks out because he's upset because she he thinks that she might be sleeping with charles right He's so chill about the Jackson thing. Probably because my thought process on this is he knows they're not exclusive because she is dating Jackson. But I get the feeling he's like, well, I'm beating Jackson. Like, even though we're not exclusive, which like, either claim your poly and just let it be, or, and that it's not a competition and that you're fine with it. Because I can see... Being like, okay, cool, maybe I'm her primary, she's also dating Jackson, that's fine. But being threatened by the possibility that there's another guy out there, or being like, you know what, three's too many, or he's got more to offer than I do. While Jackson doesn't, Charles definitely would? I don't know, I feel like it's weak, though. Oh, it's very weak. Like, okay, I can understand him being like, hey, I'm a little bit weirded out by you sleeping with the boss, but I don't think that's, like, he's supposed to be the most, like, reliable together producer for this show. Yeah. And he's not. And it puts him over the edge to the point where he walks out and tells someone else to run the board during the show. This is, like, an out-of-character moment for him. Yep. Having an out-of-character moment, that has to be, like, a tectonic plate shifting. So, in the original script, we know that there wasn't really too much of a love triangle. Like, Jackson was kind of into Zade, but it wasn't like it is in the book. Right. The book introduces this concept where bo- all three of them seem to be okay with the idea that she's going to date both of them. Yeah, for a long period of time. How come we haven't made Team Jackson Mac yet? Why isn't Team Maxon a thing? I'm going to write fanfiction about this later. Um, I would love for the series to end with Jackson and Mac. It's about to say Maxon and Maxon with Maxon happening, with them looking at her and being like, "You know what? I'm done." Or she's thrown us all off, and really the love triangle starting after book two when a magical boy is introduced. Or this is my theory: Cam is Mac backwards. Oh yes. What if Cam is, like, Negamac? Kind of like how there's Nega Scott and Scott Pilgrim, yes. but it's, like, easier to make the back the name. Like, like what if Cam is Nega Scott? Because he's really traditionally good-looking and really nice, but he was the one running the board when she had oh, her accident. Shit. You know what? I'm all for this. Because it really threw me off that Cam was not the other part of this triangle the first time I read it. Right? Like, if you're going to set up a Mac and Cam, they are going to be the two guys. Nope, it's Jackson instead. And can I read you something that if a man said to me, I would 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 run. There is something that a man can say that isn't, well, is it offensive? I was about to say that it isn't offensive. So Jackson meets Zaid after the thing, after, you know, she's had her big moment where she's the most important person in the room because of her illusion. How many fucking chapters does it take to get through just her audition? Is it? three chapters it's like a whole chapter i've just been going kind of slow because this is sort of like the important beginning this might end up being like a two episode thing oh no just keep Um, going we're good so she meets jackson he comes up he's like hey you did a great job 
and they're talking and she's like, oh, I play a little guitar too. And he goes, sweet, a girl that can play, that's hot for sure. I think you get bonus points for that. Yeah, you're right. I would have walked away by that point. And she says, the comment could have come off jerkish, which by the way is terrible writing. Um, But the way he said it sounded kind of sweet. Kind of sweet, because if a guy said that to me, it'd be like, oh, look at you. That's so cute, honey, that you play guitar. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any way. I bet you also read and want to go to college. There's no way that you can make this sweet at all. No, that's why she says kind of sweet. She blushes. If it was like a hot girl that can play, that's one thing. That's still terrible, but like. Also, you guys just met and you're calling her hot. A girl that can play. That's hot for sure. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. That's, like, fucking really misogynist. Yes. And then there's the weird Richard Marks joke. The right here waiting for you joke. That was really, really strange. Um, Yeah, again, and I think when we did this chapter, like I rammed in about this, but she is to be 25, which is funny because I don't think Lanny remembers that she actually gives her an age in this book because anytime she talks, she's like, yeah, she's a 20 ish mid twenties girl. And I'm like, you literally said she's 25. Also, again, this is a first person book and therefore there should be no ambiguity on things like that because we're not outside of Zade. We're in Zade. We're all inside Zade. At the end of the day, we are all Zade. Everyone is Zade. But where was I going with this? Oh, the music references are so dated. Like, yeah, my 14-year-old brother loves classic rock. And it was really funny to listen to him talk and, like, guess who singers were while we were in the car on vacation. But at the end of the day, he also knows One Direction songs and, like, doesn't assume that people his age are going to be into classic rock. Like... This reference is almost too old for me. Like, it took me a minute to be like, what well, song is this? That's something that comes up later, too, when we're talking about how Charles and Della met in the 70s. And how that, that kind of doesn't really work out with their whole story, because their story is supposed to be they met and fell madly in love. And then had Zayd. But in the actual timeline, if Zayd is 25 in the year 2017... She's exactly my age, which means she was born in 1992, which means her parents were together. For 20 years. Performing together for 20, yeah. Maybe like 15 before they had a kid? Yeah, it's... Which Which means her mom was like 33? Yeah, I think last time we talked about this, I ended up insulting someone. Not insulting, but like implying that you get married and... And you don't, but that's kind of the implication that they give us like the idea that they were together for 15 years before they had a kid and then zade was like that's when her insecurity starts like and della gets super insecure she didn't tell him before that so but i'll bet if you i mean so lanny serum is 36 something like that yeah so she's 36 she was born in 1982 yep She's early 80s. She's older than me. So it would make sense for her parents to have met in the mid 70s. It works out for her age, but not necessarily Zayd's. Unless there's something, maybe we are like missing a beat here where this is supposed to take place in like 2005. I was about to say, if it is supposed to be like early 2000s, give a date somewhere. Um, Or, you know, some kind of sign. Like, I'm on my Razor phone or like. 
I pulled out my portable GPS that I just bought. It's brand new, top of the line. Now I remember what I wanted to look up. When did Betsy Johnson stop having stores? Because Betsy Johnson closed her doors not super long ago. Okay. Um, yeah, this... I'm actually really liking the idea of maybe this is a Twilight episode or a Black Mirror episode. And really all this is just happening in her mind. And by the end of the series, we're going to pull, like... And she's really in a mental institution, and this is all in her mind. When did Betsy Johnson close? Betsy Johnson, LLC, filed for voluntary Chapter 11 bankruptcy on April 26, 2012. So that's probably when the stores went out of business, so this takes place at least after 2012. So I'm trying to think when this... I know that she has said in one interview, like, this was either... This was started while she was working with 100 Monkeys, which I think was 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. So... Okay. 2010 to 2011. Something like that. So yeah. let's go with that. 2010. If you were born, if you were 25 and 2010, so you would have been born in 1980 something. Five? I'm trying to think how old if I was. If you're 25 and 2010, you're 1985. Right. So if your parents met in 78, give them a and, year. And Della was like... 18, so we're thinking she probably waited a few years before she had a baby with right. Charles. I mean, they definitely had to perform a few years before they had a kid. There's a year between the shooting situation and then there was like a year later she was like his assistant or something right. like that. So then she's 19. They probably got married at somewhere around they there. They never like, get it, married. It works out for... They never get married. They get together and have a baby. I think it makes... Like, that's the thing, though, is that story makes sense for Lanny Sarum because this is her self-insert fan fiction exactly. that she got published. It's, yeah, it doesn't make sense from the standpoint of either your character is too young or you need to, again, have an editor. Who's going to go and catch these things? So that actually kind of brings me to my next point. We have a lot of action in the middle where, I mean, I guess there's the thing where she saves Sophie slash a... Uh, Sophia. Soph. Soph. Soap. Uh, so she, she saves Sophia, and it's, like, really strange and weird that she does it. And then after the fact, she goes out and has a conversation with Mac. And it's actually, like, super long compared to a lot of the yes. other action scenes. She sits out there with Mac, and they talk for, like, 20 Kindle pages. That's, like, a long time in this book. It is the start of their friendship slash relationship. It is where we learn he smokes, right? Because he's out yep. there smoking. Which, again, like, not to diss smokers. Because you can be a smoker and still be hot. But it is no longer, like, code for hot person. Or, like, rebel person. It's or, not, like, I don't know. anything like that. Like, do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I am... In the middle of season four. And, like, what they have with Amy and her whole smoking thing, I love. We're like, I forget she's a smoker, but then it's, like, randomly she gets super stressed and, like, has to go have a cigarette. And it's wonderful. And that's fine. But it is not portrayed as, like, Amy is so hot because she's a smoker. It's like an anxiety. As somebody who smokes when I'm anxious... Or when I'm drunk, mostly when I'm drunk. Oh, I bummed a cigarette like last weekend. I was I was having a rough night and I was like, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette. 
But you know, I always regret it because I get worse hangovers. Because yes, I'm 26 and that's how life is going for me right, right now. You do. You get worse hangovers and your lungs don't function as well for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um... So after the whole Sophia incident, which I don't really feel the need to go into because I thought it was kind of a weird blah moment. It was obviously just a setup for Mac to trust her. Yep. Mac invites her camping. So at the camping trip, she sort of, it's the only time she casually uses magic, which is definitely kind of confusing. Um, Outside of her, like, her, random tarot reading throughout the book, but yes. But even then, like, that's not even really magic. It's like she uses, like, telekinesis to put her tent together. Yep. Okay, that's... It's cool. Fine, I guess. So then she's describing all of her time while camping. And while she's camping, she starts to bond with Mac some more. And she describes at length what he's wearing. Oh my god, yes. She makes him sound like a fourth grader ready for, like, a school picture. (laughs) Give it to me. I want to hear it. In this, oh, with I, this gotta, I gotta find it. With this mindset. Because oh, all I remember is, like, he looks like a lumberjack, but not the hipster kind. Or maybe Here he has go. a beard, but he's not a hipster. He's not a hipster, guys. Stop it. I don't fucking like hipsters. We get it, Lanny. But he's in a show blacks, right? Instead, he was wearing fitted Levi jeans with the bottoms of the legs slightly rolled up and a long sleeve red, blue, and yellow linen plaid shirt. Earlier in the day, I had noticed that he had the plaid shirt unbuttoned, showing a white ribbed fitted sleeveless shirt underneath. In the South, those types of white undershirts are often called wife beaters. Not necessary. It's a horrible name for anything, really, but especially a shirt. Not necessary. In every movie I've ever seen, the redneck wife beater wears one, and without a doubt, you can call it that, and people instantly know what kind of shirt you were talking about. Do they, Lanny? There's another point where she does something like this, where she calls it a submarine sandwich, and then she explains what that is. And it's like, no, no, Lanny, we call that a sub, and you can get them at the internationally known chain Subway. It wasn't like you used the term hoagie or hero or like, and had to explain, because yeah. those are like, you know, those are like regional. a speedy. Like, those, yeah. are, those are regional things. It's a sub- they sell them at Subway. <laughs> Everybody knows what they are. I love it. I think you're right. This reads like, today I wrote the sentence and I was like, well, this is eventually going to get edited, but word count. Because <laughs> it's like the most redundant sentence to something that I know I've already written. But I was like, eh, it gets me back in the mood. It's like four sentences. <laughs> In the cool night air, the long sleeves that had been rolled up had come down, and he had buttoned the shirt, covering up the undershirt. The black boots he always wore at work had been replaced with much more rugged-looking brown ones that went higher up the ankle, and he had wrapped the laces around the top. It occurred to me in this moment that I liked his style a lot. He looked somewhat like a hipster, but a hipster that could actually hunt and do other manly things most hipsters don't know how to do. A manly hipster without a beard, though, thankfully. I was not a fan of beards, and I had come to realize that I liked it most when Mac had just shaved. Though in the light from the fire, he appeared to have five o'clock shadow, and that was also nice. But she said linen. She does not describe how she spends her time outside of the theaters, but I know that he wraps his boot laces around the top. She spends it naked doing tarot. (laughs) (laughs) I I just... (laughs) I got nothing. I mean, 
God damn. I know everything we about know his undershirt. Which, like, if she was describing it as, like, he she did something off of him, that, that would or, be like, appropriate. he's camping, spilled something on it, something from, like, putting together the tent got on it or whatever, and thus he had to button up his shirt. Cool. I don't need to know that earlier he had his shirt unbuttoned and he also had a wife beater under it. It would have been so easy to do it as an action, like... As I walked over, a cold breeze ran through, and I watched him as he slowly buttoned up his shirt, covering up the wife beater underneath. I'm going to rewrite this book for her. Because <laughs> I feel like I've, I've messaged Meg several times with sentences I had problems with and made them work. Someone in a writer's group offered to ghostwrite for her, and I remember getting angry. But also, I'm like, no, just let me, let me, let me show you how this could be so much better. It could just be so much better and so much simpler. She didn't need to go into all of that. Why did she have to mention that it was a red, yellow, and blue plaid shirt? Because that just ruins everything. Like, I'm literally picturing him, like, in my head he has a clip-on tie. <laughs> but that's the kind and of plaid shirt it is. And he's it's, like, not a, it's not a manly, rugged, I'm out going to chop wood shirt. It's a... I'm surprised she didn't mention, like, a Wolverine wool, like, flannel. Yeah, like... It it should be. Is that what most of them are made of? Is it wool? There's like a material. No, they're not usually. It's flannel. I yeah, just said flannel. Because okay. I was thinking, I have a Wolverine like plaid that I wear when it's cold out. I, miss I don't, the cold. don't Let's talk wear about the cold. it camping in Las Vegas. No, no. Like, which I guess is why he's wearing a linen shirt. I guess. The fact that he has the sleeves rolled down also kind of ruins it for me. Yeah. Like, I love a guy in a button down. Yeah, if he's got the sleeves rolled down, it needs to be like he needs to be like wearing a vest or like a jacket. Over I was about it. to say a sweater, but a vest. A, works. a sweater is also good. If you're sleeve, basically, we're giving advice to all the guys out there. If you're gonna wear a button down, you gotta leave the sleeves rolled I up, mean, honey. I don't care how cold it is; they need to be rolled up. Are we staying on Max Fashion because there's another outfit later that is? Well, she talked so about his worse. his dickies and his car hearts. Yes, but he does wear something else besides. <laughs> Sorry. Show blacks, and now I need to find it. He oh, it's when he shows up for dinner with yes. her for the stew, and he's wearing it's the worst. It's the worst. I think I actually like googled for a while this kind of shirt, and I don't think I actually posted it like I said I was going to. But oh man, Max Fashion outside of show blacks is like I have to wear black for work, so thus I'm going to wear every color. I answered the door and smiled at Mac, who looked just a little bit dressed up in his dark denim Levi jeans and nice maroon and brown patterned button-up shirt with a coordinating brown suit jacket. His sterling silver cufflinks peeked out just past the end of his jacket sleeves. Who wears cufflinks on a date to someone's house? That isn't like... Who wears cufflinks with jeans? Yes. But I love that it's a patterned shirt. Define this pattern. She's cooking at home and she's wearing black boots. I immediately felt underdressed in black leggings, a gray see-through shirt, and black boots. Why's it gotta be see-through? I mean, like, I think when we did this episode, I was literally wearing boots, leggings, and a gray sweater. Why's it gotta be see-through? I'm just gonna go back to why are you wearing shoes in your house? Those are street things that you don't bring into the house. Sometimes a girl just feels really good in her knee-high those are your outdoor clothes. <laughs> they touch the outside. Sometimes it's just really cold. No, I can't. They're in Vegas. Like, look, I wear shoes into my house sometimes. 
I mean, I hope but that your shoes I are have, in your house. I mean, yeah, like, I, I wear them into my house, and then I stop at the door and I take them the fuck off, unless I'm, like, running in and getting something, and then I always regret it because I track a bunch of dirt in. But, like, I have, like, like, if I'm gonna, if I'm home, and it's not, like, hot like it is right now, I've got, like, I've got, like, these, like, knit booties that have, like, the grippy uh, bottoms yes. so I don't slip. <laughs> yes. I really like Or I have socks. these, like, penguin ones. Like, I... I, I put things on my feet, but these are my indoor things. Exactly. I don't wear my outdoor things into my indoor house. You know what I mean? Yep. Just like how you don't sleep in your street clothes because those touch the street. <laughs> and they don't go in the bed. In your sheets. Getting exactly. your sheets all gross. I might have to break to get new wine, by the way. You're good. Let me know when you need to. Sorry, my leg was I'm actually going to do it now. So because of how long this episode ended up being, we've got about another hour, hour and ten minutes or so. We're going to stop here and give you another week of listening to Elle really go back into depth and point out all these things that we missed while we're watching. And uh, she doesn't end up rewriting the book on air, but really that would be a lot of fun. But I just wanted to dive in really quick and give you a few things. Um, uh, We are sticking with Thursdays, just a heads up. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook at Handbook Podcast. There's also a Facebook group called a handbook for judging fabulous retellings go ahead and join it if you're on facebook because uh the the page basically just serves as like hey a new episode's out um both on twitter and in the facebook group you will find that we are actually already polling for our next uh seasons kind of idea we're going to tackle cocky gate and what happened and uh why it was bad and what the outcome has kind of been, even though it is still an ongoing thing. And of course, we are going to read one of her books to just kind of lean into, hey, maybe maybe you shouldn't have done this. Um, so yeah, go vote. We've got three options there. I think it is Cocky Heart Surgeon, Cocky Senator, and Cocky Genius. Um, so join us again next Thursday, where we will finish up talking about Handbook for Mortals, our love of this show well that might be um our middle no i don't know whatever you want to call it we will come back to the bad girl of the new york times um thank you for listening bye